0: We've been talking with the kids about Jesus' power. Power. So, um, I don't know, you, you probably know all this, the, these facts that I'm getting ready to, uh, to tell you. Uh, but there, it's, it's not too difficult to find incredible displays of power. For instance, um, the world record for most walnuts crushed by hand in one minute is 284. 284 walnuts crushed by hand. It's held by a a Muhammad Rashid of Pakistan, who also holds the world record for most watermelons crushed with the head in 30 seconds at 49. And most drink cans crushed with the elbow in one minute at 77. Incredible displays of power, right? Uh, The most push-ups in an hour is 2,806. Uh, The most boards broken in one minute is 315. Uh, There are even quite specific records, such as the most consecutive six-finger handstand push-ups, the longest one-arm plank while juggling, and the longest flagpole pose while balancing a person on the torso. These are actual world records, incredible displays of If you're like me, you're quite sarcastically very impressed, right? Very impressed. Uh, But one one power uh, that surpasses all of these is the power of Jesus. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says that Jesus is the power of God. So just consider that for for a moment. Jesus is the power of God. Of God, And think about all we've seen him do in our own lives. uh, But think about the record that we have of what he's done in the word. He created the universe with just his spoken word. And then he created man out of the dust and breathed life into him. He saved the then known world through Joseph. Even though his brothers hated him so much that they sold him as a slave and faked his death. He displayed his strength over Egypt... With with ten plagues in Exodus, showing he is sovereign over everything and anything on this earth. He parted the Red Sea. He provided water and food in the desert. He collapsed the walls of Jericho. He overcame the hatred of Haman through Esther and saved her people. He defeated enemies made up of hundreds of thousands of warriors. He shut the mouths of lions. He overcame the fire. In the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and the Abednego. Over and over and over again, God has displayed his power. Which is why 1 Corinthians one twenty four is so incredible when it says that Jesus is the power of God. Colossians 2.10 says, You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 1.16-20 For by him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is above all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That church, no one ever displayed power like jesus did no one ever did Uh, through through his miracles he healed sickness and and disabilities Uh, no one ever displayed power over evil spirits like jesus did who commanded them to go and they had no choice but to go wherever he told them to go Uh, no one ever displayed power like jesus when though he could have condemned sinners, he forgave them and he gave them grace and a new and fresh start. No one ever displayed power like Jesus when he willingly went to the cross and endured the beatings and the mockery and the crown of thorns and the scourging. He willingly allowed his accusers to condemn him to death and nail him to a cross, even though he didn't deserve any of it. And no one ever displayed power like Jesus when he... After he was buried and dead for three days, he walked out of the grave. He overcame death. He is alive and well today. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, making intercessions on behalf of his children. This is the power of Jesus that we've been looking at with our kids this week. And so today we're just going to look at three of the four stories that they looked at and how how his power affects our lives today. And so if you're taking notes, number one on your outline, Jesus' power helps us do hard things. It helps us do hard things. Okay, so think back for a little bit. What's the most difficult thing you've ever had to do? The most difficult thing you've ever had to do. Uh, Maybe you had to uh, walk away from a relationship or a job. Uh, Maybe you had to endure the pain of someone betraying you. Maybe you had to leave home. Maybe you, you battled a sickness. Maybe you had to let someone chew on you even though you knew what they were saying was not true. Uh, Life is full of difficulties. It's been said that if you're you're not going through something difficult right now, hang on because it's coming. And most of us know this is just how life is. There's a story in Acts chapter 9 about a man named Ananias who was faced with a very difficult task involving a man named Saul. And we're, we're likely familiar with Saul. He was a Jewish religious leader. He was trained by the best, he was passionate about what he did, he had the first five books of the Bible memorized, and he was completely against this new movement of Christianity. Uh, Acts chapter 7, he approved the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. He did everything in his power to stop this movement, taking men and women alike to jail for following Christ. And the entire newly formed Christian community knew Saul was against them, and they probably believed, humanly speaking, he had the means and power to cause them much harm. And as the story goes, Saul was on his way to Damascus, breathing threats and murder, Acts chapter 9 tells us, with papers in hand to arrest any and every follower of Jesus that he met, when this bright light shone and a voice from heaven spoke directly to Saul, asking why he was persecuting him. It was the voice of Jesus, and this encounter would forever change Saul. He ended up blind, groping in the darkness, having to be led by the hand to the city where he waited for three days, blind as a bat. And this is where Ananias comes in. The Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision. Acts chapter 9, verse 11. Uh, So the Lord said to him, Ananias, arise, go to the street called Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in the vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, uh, Lord, I have heard, I, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name now we can almost hear uh, the dread in his voice and Ananias makes a pretty valid point lord you want me to go to saul and help this man who has called caused so much harm to your people i mean what would you do what would you do if you were faced with this difficult situation would you run the opposite opposite way Uh, Would you explain this vision as just uh, some bad meatloaf and just ignore it and and move on? Would you worry about it and lose sleep? Or would you rest in the power of Jesus and be obedient to what God has called you to do? Acts 9.13. Again, Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Um, Church, sometimes God calls us to do difficult things. I, I, I don't know what that might be for you in your life right now. Possibly... Uh, sharing your faith with someone, maybe it is forgiving someone, maybe it's saying no to something, maybe it's just being content, maybe it's uh, doing the right thing in a business deal, maybe it's giving, the next blank on your outline there, Uh, the right thing to do is usually not the easiest. Hmm. The right thing to do is usually not the easiest. In fact, uh, sometimes the right thing does not feel like the right thing at all. But when, when we attempt to do difficult things on our own power, we fall short. We won't be able to endure. We will react rather than respond. We will lack peace. We'll be stressed out. We will explain it away as bad meatloaf and we'll miss out on the blessing that God has for us. But because he was obedient, Ananias is forever etched In the word of God as the one who intervened in Saul's life to lift the scales from his eyes. And Saul would later become Paul and bring the gospel to the Gentiles and pen most of the New Testament. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. See, God has great things for us. Spiritual blessings when we obey in the power of Jesus. A verse often quoted Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus' power helps us do hard things. And, church, let me just go ahead and say this. Uh, If you are faced with with something difficult in your life right now, um, God wants to speak to your heart through those difficult times. Um, He he always does. And, And there is purpose behind the difficulty. And he wants to speak to your heart through it. Number two on your outline, Jesus gives Jesus's power gives us hope. Jesus's power gives us hope. Now, if if the uh, if the kids were here, every time I, I said something about Jesus's power does something, they would say, "Trust Jesus, choo choo, like a train." So just just uh, if you want to stick around for that in the second service. Uh, I'm, they're going to be doing that. But Jesus' power gives us hope. I, I, I read much of the book of Acts like a sailor's log because it, uh, it traces the Apostle Paul's journey uh, by boat ultimately to Rome, uh, where he faced judgment at the hands of Caesar and was ultimately killed for his faith. Chapter 27 is like something out of a, a movie or a show on the Discovery Channel or something. Verse 9 tells us that the sailing was slow and dangerous. Verse 10 says that Paul advised the crew to winter in the harbor because he perceived there would be much loss if they continued, but being a prisoner, uh, his warnings were ignored. Verse 13 says this When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had ab- obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete, but not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not heed into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clouda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the, on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven. And because uh, we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. And now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... And no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now, if this were a movie, here's where they would cue the sad and depressing music. Here it is, hopelessness. And I know that uh, some in our church family have actually been out on the sea before because uh, we have some, some that have been in the Navy. But um, maybe they've experienced, maybe you've experienced a storm like this out on sea. But for the rest of us who haven't, um, man, this, this experience here, it, it's pretty, pretty. Uh, I mean, terrifying, isn't it? I mean, we've seen it in the movies and um, I, we can't really imagine what this would be like to be in a storm on sea. But many times, uh, storms in our lives do the exact same thing to us. We get disoriented. We begin to drift. We're tossed to and fro. We live in fear. We pay more attention to the waves over our heads than anything else. And if, if this goes on long enough, the pain and despair become so overwhelming that verse 20 uh, becomes a line out of our own stories. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Church, can, can, can I just help us identify these storms in our lives? Uh, you, know, you know, sometimes it's our own sin that has led us to a dark and hopeless place. And, and every storm gives us opportunity to examine our hearts to make sure that we are in the right place. And if we are, a lot of the storms we face are spiritual warfare. You can, you can write that down. A lot of the storms that we face are spiritual warfare. Warfare. Now, I am no alarmist. I am not one who lives in fear and I would never counsel anyone to live in fear because I I believe it's unbiblical to live in fear. Uh, We shouldn't constantly worry about this and and lose sleep at, at night over this, but I believe the biggest part of the heaviness and the hopelessness and just overall something isn't right within us that you and I are faced with is spiritual Warfare. I sense it in my life as a pastor. Uh, th- those thoughts that would make me question my calling. Those thoughts that would leave me confused. Those thoughts that try to convince me that the life of faith just isn't worth it. And I would just imagine that you sense it too sometimes. So, so what's the importance of identifying these battles as spiritual Warfare. Well, when we do, then we learn to fight them with spiritual weapons. Ephesians six twelve through 18. Even if you've read it a thousand times before, I want to encourage you to take a look at it and to dive in deep this week with your study. It says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And and so the weapons that we use to fight this spiritual battle, you can see them here on the screen, they are truth, not not the lies of Satan, but truth, Uh, the gospel, faith, Salvation, the word of God, and prayer. So church, take a look at these weapons. Truth, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. How are you doing at fighting your battles with these weapons? How are you doing? How, how am I doing? I've got I to look at my own life as well. Remember, I preach to my, myself every week. How are you doing with using these weapons in your life? And the next question is, could this be why you seem to be losing the battle? Because when we go to anything else besides the weapons God has given us, we can't win. See, church, uh, this is all because of the gospel that we have. This, this is all because of Jesus. He is most powerful. He gives us the power to live this life of faith. He gives us hope even in the midst of these battles. Colossians 1, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Church, we have hope. And it's laid up for us in heaven. We've looked at it before. No more sickness. No more hurt. No more aches and pains. No more worries. No more storms. No more internal battles. No more addictions. No more temptations. No more comparing ourselves to someone else here on earth and coming up short. No more strained relationships. No more wondering why this person walked out on you. No more death. No more judgment. Only good, only joy and peace, only worship in the presence of the one who gave his life for ours so that we would be with him for all eternity. A place prepared just for you, a place prepared just for me. This is the eternal hope that we have. This is the inheritance that we have. This is the gift of God that we have in Christ. And in this hope, we believe it is only through the power of Jesus that we get it. This hope is why we endure. This hope is why living for Jesus is worth it, no matter the cost. Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have as an anchor for our soul. Paul had it. Even when they had to throw their anchor, leave the anchors in the sea, he had, still had hope. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 tells us we have a living hope. In Psalm 39, 7, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. This is the power of Jesus. And it's exactly what Paul knew in the midst of the open sea, tossed by the waves, no sun, no stars for days, all the extra cargo thrown overboard. Paul still had hope. As the story goes, they ended up shipwrecked. You can read about the rest of that in Acts 27, 21 and following. I mean, it really is something like out of a movie. But church, this is the effect that the gospel that Jesus has on us. So first of all, we see uh, he gives us strength to do difficult things. Many times the right thing to do is not the easiest. But when he calls you, he will give you strength. You just have to be willing to obey strength will rise when we wait on the lord and secondly he gives us hope in the midst of a storm when all hope seems lost we will find our hope in him and he gives us the weapons that we need to fight these battles when everything seems hopeless number three on your outline and we're almost done jesus's power lets us live forever Jesus' power lets us live forever. And and as we begin to close, would you just examine your life right now where you are? Because we've been talking about the power of Jesus all week. and, And it's very possible that as you sit here this morning, maybe you don't remember a time that you've come to a place where you have trusted in the power of Jesus. You haven't experienced it for yourself. And I believe that um, God created this world with a, a good design in mind, where uh, people would get along, where um, relationships wouldn't be severed, where there wouldn't be storms, where, where there would never be a hopeless day in our lives. But if you are awake about three minutes a day, at least, you know, um, something's gone completely wrong. The Bible's word for what's gone wrong is sin. And, and what we see is, uh, it started back in the garden. Instead of God's good design, we have chosen our own design. And sin leads to brokenness every time. Um, every, every, when I talk to people about brokenness, we understand because we've experienced it. When you uh, feel shame for something you've done, that's, that's brokenness. When you're going through a time, uh, a difficult time in your life, and man, just all hope seems lost. That's, that's brokenness. When you lose somebody, you have to bury somebody that you love. The pain that you feel, that's, that's brokenness. People like, understand brokenness. And and people have tried to uh, fix our brokenness on our own. And we try things like relationships or stuff or sometimes a substance or whatever else it is. We, we try all these different things to fix our brokenness, but what we find is every time whatever we try to use to fix our brokenness only leads to more brokenness. It just leaves us wanting. And if this is the end of the story, uh, then we walk out of here hopeless. (laughs) With less hope than what we came in here with. But that's where the gospel comes in. I mean, we've been looking for the gospel for a long time. This is the, the foundation of why this church is here. The gospel of Jesus. That he came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. To Pay the price for our sin that causes brokenness, and it takes faith to believe in what Jesus has done. And it's very, very likely, very possible that maybe everyone here uh, already has has put their faith and trust in Jesus. If if you haven't, I would love to try to answer those questions for you. And I would ask, um, traditionally, you know, when we put the kids up on stage. In the second service, man, there's going to be a lot of people here. And I would just ask that you would uh, pray for that second service because there will likely be lost people there. And so, um, listen, if you have questions, it takes faith to believe in this gospel. And if you have questions about it, I would love to try to answer those. Um, I don't know all the answers to, all these, to every question, but I'll sure try to find it if I don't know it. But uh, let's just uh, spend a, a moment here as we bow our heads and close our eyes. A moment of invitation. So we, We've seen that, that Jesus' power, he gives us strength to do difficult things. What comes to mind when you hear that word, difficult things? What's going on in your life right now? that would classify as a difficult thing? Do you need to just uh, continue to trust Jesus to, to give you that strength? Strength will rise when we wait on the Lord. And many times, uh, some of the most difficult things we do are waiting on the Lord. But maybe that's what we need to do. Jesus' power gives us hope. What hopeless situation do you find yourself in this morning? What has God said to you? What are you going to do about it?